And welcome to Wednesdays Together. I'm so glad you're here to worship with us tonight. What a wonderful opportunity that we have every Wednesday night. It's just a midweek oasis for our souls, for our spirits when we are dry and weary. And I'm so glad that you have joined us. I'm grateful tonight that we get to wrap up this wonderful series, this rebuild series that we've been doing. It's been such a blessing to me. It's been a challenge to me. Um, talking about how we can rebuild in the tough times in a tough season. You know, 2020 has not really been that kind. Am I speaking the truth, everybody? <laughs> 2020 has been a little bit tough. And um, I've, I've heard jokes about um, with the time change, um, you know, after we had the, the first time change and then look what happened and that maybe, maybe things will just kind of re reboot, you know, after... I just know that I'm going to trust in Jesus and I'm not going to hold my breath for anything. <laughs> um, we're just trying to, to kind of um, coast on through this, right? That's where we are. We know that it's been a tough time. It's been a tough season. And in many ways, it kind of feels like the rug's been pulled out from under us. But the whole purpose of this series is to encourage us to keep marching, to keep marching and to pick up the pieces to rebuild. Is that your desire tonight, anybody? Amen. Amen. We're going to keep marching. We're going to keep going in Jesus' name. I want you to know today, I'm sure today many of you have faced struggles. Many of you have faced trials and you've wondered, oh, man, it's just Wednesday and it feels like a very long week and I don't know if I can keep going. But God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. He sees your pain. He sees your struggle. And he will carry you through when you feel weary and when you feel weak. And we know that this is a rebuilding se season, not just, not just for us as individuals, not, for, not just for me as an individual or for you as an individual, but for the church, for our nation. It's an opportunity for us to turn our hearts back to God and to focus on his ways and his principles. The only way that we will rebuild on the proper foundation is to focus our hearts and our minds on the things that matter most to God. And so that's what this series has been all about. Now, if I took a poll right now, I imagine most of you, uh, most of you under the sound of my voice right now, own at least one surge protector. Maybe those of you who are here with me, anybody own a surge protector? Okay, don't prove me wrong. Um, we've got um, quite, quite, quite a few here at the church, some fancier than others. Um, why? why? First of all, what is a surge protector? That might be for the, for the two of you who may not have one, you may not know. It's a device that's designed to protect uh, other electrical devices from voltage spikes, okay? Um, it's really just a safety mechanism to keep devices from short-circuiting, right? And um, you get these surge protectors, and you, you don't have a surge protector on every single thing that you own in your house, right? So you probably don't have a surge protector on your $10 can opener, right? But you might have it on your expensive television or laptop or music equipment or, or whatever um, because you want to protect that that you value. That's the whole purpose of a surge protector. Now, I... Um, have been told that I have an uncanny ability to find a spiritual application in even the most mundane things of life. Um, and 
for me, a search protector is no different. Um, I'm grateful that God has provided us a means of surviving tough seasons, that he values us as his children enough to protect us, to keep us safe when these surges, when these things that we were not meant to hold in, that actually come our way to destroy us, that God loves us enough to pray, to place that kind of protection about us during these times of intense pressure and spikes, even when it feels like our souls might short circuit. Amen? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so tonight we're going to talk about how to rebuild our emotional well-being, how we rebuild our emotional well-being. You know, we talk a lot about souls in our churches, right? We talk a lot about souls, seeking souls and saving souls and looking for hungry souls and surrendering all of our souls over to God. Now, I talk like that too. I say it all the time. But if we aren't careful, it, when we speak in terms of souls, um, to speak really exclusively to the spiritual things, then we create this sort of false sense that our spirituality is one thing and our mind and bodies are something separate. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like we can, like we kind of think, okay, um, well, I, <laughs> I've heard someone say before that, you know, um, they, they pray all the time and they always pray for souls. And this person isn't really a nice person. And it's confusing to me. Because they pray for souls all the time. And I think, well, do you pray for people? Um, and do you love people? But I pray for their souls to be saved. But you know what? For people's souls to be saved, like there's a person housing that soul, right? And so it's great to pray for people and to pray for their souls. But the challenge is... If you only pray for their souls and you're not nice to their person, they're probably not going to listen to what you say about your Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, so we can kind of, we kind of use language that creates this, this um, just this really false dichotomy of the spiritual and the natural. And I think that's one reason that Christians sometimes get caught up in living one way on Sundays and living a completely different way every other time of the week, right? Um, thinking that Sundays are for souls or Wednesdays together are for souls, but everybody else is for the, well, the rest of us, the, the, the real parts of us, right? And so we kind of, we kind of do, our, do our lives that way. One of my favorite professors um, used to say, <laughs> whenever um, someone would, would mention souls, in class, Dr. Littles would say, we are not disembodied souls floating around. Like, souls are in people. They're in, like, that, that's part of who we are. And the point that he was making and the point that I'm trying to make to us, to us tonight is that we must be whole on every level. We must be whole body, mind, and spirit. That, that encompasses all of who we are. And that should be our focus, and we should realize that as Christians, as Christians, we have an emotional well-being that we should be caring for. As Christians, God doesn't only care about your spirituality. In fact, your emotional well-being is part of your spirituality. Does anybody believe that? 
Does anybody believe that? This isn't, um, this isn't just, um, this isn't a self-help pep talk. <laughs> this is truth from God's scripture. This is truth from God's word that he wants us to be whole in him. And so for the final time in this series, I'd like to share our focus passages um, and as they relate to our topic tonight. Psalm 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then I'd also like to read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So he is saying, and if we look at the, at the word that he chose, it refers to the totality of who we are. We give all of ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Why? Because he will find that acceptable. He will find that pleasing. And, oh, by the way, that's the only way to worship him. That's really the only way to worship him. We can't worship him with saying, this is, this is my spiritual person. So I'm going to come to church and in these little places around the front, around the altar space where I can pray, I'm going to just snot and cry and give God everything. But then I'm going to hold on to hurts of my past. Or then I'm going to live in such a way that doesn't honor him in, in my physical body. All these things. No, we are one person. We, we're, we're the totality of one person, and we need to come to God in that way. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, the behavior and customs of this world, it's not just actions. It's thoughts. It always starts with thoughts. And the behavior and customs of this world compartmentalizes and says, live one way, live one way, live this way, live that way, do this, do that. And that's why people struggle with fulfillment because there's no real anchor. There's no real, um, <laughs> there's not even a moral foundation to follow, but there's certainly not that absolute truth. There's certainly not that connection with God. And it says that when we do that, when we allow God to transform all of us into a new person, transforming the way that we think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we've said this over and over and over throughout this series. We have said that we must surrender all of ourselves to God. Why don't you type in the chat all? You're here tonight. Why don't you say all? We got to give it all to the Lord. No matter what we're facing, he wants all of us. Now here is something that's another no matter statement. No matter how spiritual you are, you have a body with physical limitations. Anybody believe that? Amen. You know, we, we, we have limitations, and they were not placed upon us um, to harm us or to punish us or to hold us back. Jesus slept. Jesus came away and took time, seasons of rest, and took seasons of solitude, and took time alone to reflect and to pray and to grow. He had a body with physical limitations. You have a mind and you have emotions that must be cared for. And so tonight's message, my desire is it for it to be so 
very practical for where we are right now. Here's the truth. Here's the truth that I want us to realize tonight. And if you don't accept this, really none of the rest that I'm going to say is going to make sense. Um, so don't, but don't leave. Like, just stick around and maybe you will accept it, okay? But, but it, it might be hard for you to receive, okay? So let me, let me just put it out here gently. The truth is you can be a spiritual person and still struggle emotionally. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Because as Christians, remember I talked about, like, Spiritual me, like Sunday me, and then, well, there's Monday me. You know, what does Monday me look like? Is it for you? Is it like grumpy you because you're too tired or mad because you had to go back to work? Or um, Friday you, woohoo! Whatever you it is, right? What, <laughs> but as Christians, can, can I, can I, mm. Maybe I should, I've got people sitting here in front of me. It's a little dangerous now. Maybe I should just turn around so nobody um, feels like I'm talking to them. You know, we are, the, we are the worst at putting on these smiles, right? And just, oh, I'm fine. Praise God. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm dandy. I'm glad you asked. My life couldn't be any better. And I actually, um, actually, I talked about this a few weeks ago, about this toxic positivity. <laughs> it's just kind of this, listen, I am, you're not going to find a more positive, optimistic person than me. You can ask my husband, it annoys him. I mean, it just, it, I'm sure it does. Um, but he loves me anyway. I'm always going to see the sunny side. I'm always going to look to the positive. I'm always going to assume things are going to get better, but, but, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being real. And so many times we are plastic. So many times we feel that God saved us to be this perfect, plastic, uptight person that, you know, people, people can, like, people can smell that a mile away. And when people are hurting and they are vulnerable, and every person I know is, I don't know anybody who hasn't experienced hurts. They, they might be plastic and not be honest about it, but I don't know anyone who hasn't had a struggle or two in their life. And when they have gone through that, but they see someone who refuses to acknowledge that they have, and even worse, refuses to give it over to the God that they say that they are in this amazing relationship with, then that kind of makes them think that it's, it's not real, right? What, that what you're doing is not true, and that it's fake, and that it's phony. And so tonight, tonight I just, I just want to pull the mask back. I just want to pull the mask back and say, it's okay to have emotional struggles. I mean, it is. It's okay knowing that we're in a tough time. It's okay to say, hey, God, I don't really like this. I don't care for this. I didn't sign up for it. And, and it's more than okay. As a matter of fact, it's, it's the right thing to do to give those emotions over to God. I would even say, back to the question of, can you be a spiritual person and still struggle emotionally? I would say yes, of course, absolutely. And I would go a step further to say that some of the most spiritual, as we deem it, some of the most spiritual people I've ever met in my life have had emotional struggles. They've had some tough times. They've had some dark nights of the soul. And I I know, I know that that, 
I know that that's how life works because when we allow when we allow God to transform those pains and struggles, then we can have a closer, deeper, stronger relationship with him than we've ever had before. Does anybody know that to be true in your own life? Amen. Amen. So back to this notion of the surge protector. Uh, I, I was reading a few weeks ago. It, it kind of just, it, it's, it's what got all of this, um, got me thinking about all of this. And there was a, an article just basically about research of kind of where we are right now, um, kind of checking the emotional pulse of our nation. And it discussed this concept um, by Dr. Ann Maston that she refers to as surge capacity, surge capacity, okay? And so at the beginning of the pandemic, we were all operating on our surge capacity, even if we didn't understand that's what we were doing. <laughs> um, to, to make it a little plain for us, it's kind of like adrenaline. It's kind of like that fight or flight, um, that fight or flight phenomenon that when things happen, oh, we just are, are, you know, we just kind of move into it. And we find that surge capacity, it's a collection of these adaptive systems that God gave to us. He created in us their mental and their physical, and they were designed for us to draw on for short-term survival in extremely stressful situations. Everybody say short-term survival. Yeah, put it in the chat, short-term survival, because that's the key here. Um, it's, it's intended to be short-term, like, like a natural disaster, okay? So a natural disaster, you see We've been seeing too many of them lately, haven't we? And, um, and like in a natural disaster, you have these events that many times will come on very quickly, very suddenly. People have to evacuate quickly or, or they can't even evacuate. They're, they kind of are there through that. And um, in all of this trauma that's happening, there's a stopping point. Like the hurricane hits and then it moves. In some instances, it may come back through and it may, but, but it's going to go, like it's, it's going to be over, right? There's a, there's a somewhat predictable stopping point. There's, at least you know it's going to happen at this point in time. And then what you're really gearing up for is the recovery, right? The recovery is long, but recovery is also predictable, you know that if your home was destroyed in a hurricane, you're probably not going to have any power for quite some time. Um, or I, obviously if it's destroyed, <laughs> but if it, even if it's just damaged, you're probably not going to have power for some time. Um, there may be water damage. You may have to gut your house. You know, all these different things. None of them are pleasant. None of them are in any scenario that anybody wants to walk through. But you're geared up for this this intense moment and then the recovery because when the storm passes everybody focuses on the recovery period but pandemics are very different because in the pandemic the disaster itself stretches out indefinitely right right think back to march well if we just do this then hopefully it will not you know <laughs> you know we kind of feel like um Goodness, we know everybody's doing the best that they can, but um, I, I think we've kind of all become skeptical every time there's a new report or a new study or, oh, let's try this, let's try that, because I think we're kind of all thinking, hey, we're all sort of 
um, just winging it here. <laughs> and it's, do you know why we've gotten to that point? Because there's not a clear end in sight to the pandemic. Now, we know it will eventually pass, but we can't, like, you know, we, we can't see the path. We can't see that. So what happens is that um, we, the, what, whatever we had, that surge capacity that we had, it runs out because do you remember what I asked you to say or what I asked you to put in, put in the chat? It was this surge capacity that God gives us to emotionally help us. It was intended for how long? A short term, not, not for long term, not extended, okay? And so that's why, that's why when we're in a situation like we are right now, the emotional struggle, it's, it's not just being in the pandemic. It's the uncertainty of being in the pandemic, right? And so in Dr. Masson's study, she also said that the pandemic has demonstrated both what we can do with surge capacity, so like the power of that within us, um, how resilient we can be, but it also demonstrated the limits of surge capacity. See, when, when that little deposit that we have, when that got depleted, when that gets depleted, it has to be renewed. But what happens when that short-term, what our body, what, what everything within us is telling us, that short-term crisis, emergency, what happens when that becomes chronic? What happens when that becomes not a, a short-term crisis situation, but a long-term situation that, that continues to cause unintended consequences and we don't know when life is going to change? Um, what happens when the end to the struggle, the pathway to that isn't in sight? You know, um, that phrase that if you're like me, you just dread hearing the new normal. Um, <laughs> we've heard it. Um, I've had a dollar for every time I heard the new normal and unprecedented, um, <laughs> I've had a dollar for you to those. I mean, Hey, I, we go get a really, really, really nice dinner tonight. Um, but that phrase, the new normal, um, even though we might not like to hear it or like to say it, I will tell you, it's still a lot easier to talk about than it is to live in. Because there's nothing normal about when you're in an ever-changing situation and you kind of don't know, you know, oh, I think this is going to be good. Oh, I think it's going to be a challenge here. We've got so many systems that are not working as they normally do right now. And, of course, it's not just the pandemic. There's a lot of things converging um, right now. Believe me when I say this, folks. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you it is true. There are so many things in the spirit that are converging right now. And this is the time for the people of God to pray. And this is the time for the people of God to surrender all of these struggles, all of these fears, everything over to him directly, because there's so many forces at work right now that are preventing life as we normally know it, right, um, from happening the way that we would anticipate that we could even plan for. And so it's resulted in radical shifts in the way that we do work. We don't go to work. We work from home. The way that our kids go to school or don't go to school, even our home lives. And, you know, it's really hard to, to plan for recovery when you don't even know when you're going to get to that stage. 
You know, the hurricane victims, they know, right? I mean, they know, okay, we just have to get through this, and then that's, um, that's the point of, that, that's kind of the point of their focus. Can I tell you that's the beauty of rebuilding? Can I tell you the beauty of rebuilding where we are right now? You don't have to wait until things get better. If you feel desperate, if you feel desolate, if you feel like you have lost hope, the beauty of being in a rebuilding place is that that's exactly what you're acknowledging. You're acknowledging your brokenness. And you're saying, Lord, I am broken before you. I can't fix it. I don't even see a way to fix it. <laughs> I don't see any way out. So I'm giving that over to you. And God, you know what? That normal that I was living in before, I, my foundation needs to be on you anyway. My foundation needs to be on you. That normal that I was walking in, that I was living in, it wasn't normal in the first place. It wasn't what, it probably wasn't what you had for me. So just wipe all of that clean and give me the foundation that I need in you. And so the beauty is that in the rebuilding stage, things are already broken. Now, if you want to find the beauty of the rebuilding stage, you have to acknowledge the brokenness in your own life. You have to surrender that over to God. So during this time, this is the moment where we rise up from the rubble and we begin to rebuild. We allow God to rebuild on that solid foundation. You know, our surge capacities We've already, dis we've already discussed about how they are designed for short periods of time. And the reason for that is to give us the strength to turn to God. Yes. Have you ever been in such a situation? Um, just think of a, think of a panic situation, um, maybe a car accident, and something happened and you needed to act very quickly and you didn't know what to do. And you just felt like, um, I've, I've heard this testimony time after time again. I just felt like somebody was right there with me, and or some. I just knew exactly what to do, or or how to do this, or or I knew, I I moved my car just the right way, and I didn't even know how that happened, but I was able to avert a worse disaster. Right? Um, so much of this, like that song we were just singing about the goodness of God. So much of this. Even the surge capacity, it's the goodness of God to give us this opportunity to not just be beaten down and give up and woe is me and my life is over, but to stand up and say, okay, I can pull through this because I've got the power of God. What happens is we get up because that surge capacity and then we think that we got to carry it. And the very purpose of God giving us this surge capacity is to give us the strength to get up and hand it to him. But we hold it ourselves. We keep it within us and then wonder why we get burned out with it. You know, wonder why we're exhausted. And even worse, you know what's worse than being emotionally exhausted? It's being a plastic Christian who's emotionally exhausted but can't admit they're emotionally exhausted, won't even come to the altar and pray for emotional healing or peace because, well, somebody might think I'm not holy or saved enough or whatever. No, no, we've got, we've got this window, we've got this opportunity to give it over to God, but we've got to adapt and we've got to find different styles of coping because what you did in March, I hope you're not still doing that in October. I had to think what month it is. That's how long the, the year's been. I hope you're not still doing that in October. I hope that you are learning to give, to cast your cares on him. Just like surge protectors are designed to sustain these short-term jolts and bursts of disruption, it, it, they're not designed for these 
full nonstop prolonged searches, surges that, that would come without that. And that's exactly what we're experiencing in our nation right now. We're, ex- we're experiencing this, and, and we can look around and we can see an entire society that is in turmoil because it does not know how to cast its cares on the Lord. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying that emotional struggle is because you don't know how to cast your cares on the Lord. Everybody's going to struggle. What are you going to do with it? Everybody's going to struggle, but are you going to keep that within you? Are you going to hold on to that? Are you going to give it over to God? I read an article uh, a couple weeks ago um, by Kerry Newhoff when he asked the question, is it possible for an entire culture to experience burnout? And he said, and if that is possible, is that what is happening right here in the United States? Between a pandemic, a fragile economy, racial injustice, and an extremely polarizing election season. This is a very difficult moment, right? We know there's so many factors converging that are making it very difficult. And then not only asking the question is, can can we collectively, can we collectively as a nation experience burnout? But there's an even bigger question that all Christians should ask. There's an even bigger question that all that all Christians must ask. And that question is, in light of all of this, in light of everything we see, how do you live as a light in the darkness to an exhausted, cynical culture? That's the question that we should be asking. You know, there are so many troubling signs of the times every, everywhere around us. So, so many signs of people worn weary, broken, cynical, not believing in anything, loss of passion or hope, numbness, not feeling. Actually, that's what people want because the pain is so intense. You know that's what addiction is about, right? And it doesn't really matter the flavor of addiction you pursue. It's just addiction is so that you can take your mind off of the pain that you're running from, right? We we know that. Um, Lack of motivation, Lack of the ability to think clearly. Hello, anybody? Confessions to be made? Anyone? <laughs> we know. When, here, here's what happens. When our minds are bombarded on every turn with things that are designed to seal our joy and to seal our hope and to seal our peace, it's very difficult to think clearly. It's very difficult to hold on to that anchor. And many times when we face these struggles, it results in in impulsive decisions that we regret, we wish we could take back. It results in negative emotions. It results in anger. You know, one thing about our culture is that we are very solution-oriented. We, we teach that in school, problem-solving. It's one of the great things that has made America so innovative because if there are problems, let us solve them. Let us, let us look for solutions. Um, and, you know, that, that's... That's how we put a man on the moon. <laughs> That's how we've developed so many life-saving technologies and things that have given us all an excellent quality of life. But when you're in a situation and the, the, situ- the solution looks murky at best <laughs> and you're in a culture that values making things happen 
above all things, right? It can become a huge challenge. It leaves us in this perpetual state of feeling a little off balance. Like trying to stand, you're out in the ocean. First of all, trying to stand in the ocean. Then you go out deeper and you go too far deep. And then there's this little dinghy. And so you try to get onto that and you hold onto that and you just think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I think I'm going to be okay. And then another wave comes and then another wave comes. And you're just trying to hold your balance so you don't fall off there until the storm passes. I think that's a very, I think that's a very apt metaphor for where we are right now as a nation. Um, we, we, we are in many ways feeling like what we've always had is being taken away from us. Even as churches, even with our, even with our religious liberty, there are so many, so many thoughts um, that, you know, how do we reconcile all of this? And if we're honest, which I know is hard for Christians, if we're honest, um, it's hard in that regard. Some of us were already running on fumes before March ever came, right? Some of us were just holding on, barely scraping by, <laughs> and... Um, Believe in God that 2020 was going to be your year, the breakthrough and the miracle, and you know, and and it 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 kind of is, but in a different way than we thought it, right? And so we were already running ragged before that. So in the light of all of this, we, we where is the hope? Where is the hope? Because as believers, if I don't have hope in this situation, what do I have to offer? Of course we have hope in eternity, but Jesus didn't say, I come that you have life and you have life more abundantly in heaven. That doesn't mean that life's going to be perfect, but that means that we can have an abundance in him, that we can have an abundance in him. So how do we rebuild our emotional well-being in a season of so much hostility and so much uncertainty? How do we come through this. I'm going to share some things that we've already dis- discussed throughout this season, throughout this sermon series, um, but I want us to think about them in terms of our emotional health. And so, um, first thing I'm going to share is, first thing I'm going to share is going to always be the first thing. Why don't you type in the chat, say, it's the first. <laughs> Why don't you tell your neighbor, it's always the first. It's always the first thing, and that is dig deeper in God. Dig deeper in God. That's always the right answer to whatever question is asked. Whatever question is asked, whatever problem or promise you are facing, digging deeper in God is always the answer. Of course, uh, pursuing our spiritual disciplines, we know that. But digging deeper in God is just as much about what you, as what you refuse as what you choose. Okay? It's just as much. So we need to resist the urge to consume things that will fill our minds and hearts with despair. You know, before, preachers would just preach against um, those bad shows, you know, the movies and all the bad things that, that are bad for you. Um, there are so many bad things, of course, in that regard that, that we will still preach against because we believe that if you are a child of God, you need, to, you need to guard your mind, you need to guard your soul. But it's not just with um, entertainment. I believe it's also with the media that you consume. If, you're, if you are on the 24-hour feed, the, the, I just call it the negative news feed because that's all it is because that's what sells, right? I mean, you, 
you got to have room for God to speak in your mind. Read God's word and talk to him daily. Then listen to him as he responds to you when you dig deeper in him. Also think that we need to experiment with both and thinking. And this might be a concept that you're not familiar with. Both and thinking. And when I first heard this, I thought, hmm. That, that sounds pretty good to me. What it means is we can embrace the fact that a situation can be terrible, but good can come from it, okay, when we surrender those challenges to God. Right now, it would be all too easy for us to focus only on the negative, but a healthier approach would be to acknowledge the bad and celebrate the good. What do I mean? I mean, for example, I could look at it as, you know, it's so terrible that so many people have suffered during this pandemic. But this has also been a time that our families have been able to spend more time together. And we've come together. And so to try to see the positive of that, um, we could acknowledge, you know, I feel frustrated a lot of times during this season. I felt that way. But this time has taught me a lot of flexibility that I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. That's embracing that is embracing both and thinking, okay? Um, another thing that we need to do is build our resilience bank accounts. Build your resilience bank accounts. Resilience is how we get through tough times. Another way to say it is grit, right? It's how you just, you just keep, keep on going and you kind of power through. And we need to work on building up an emotional reserve that promotes resilience to have a safe fallback when life gets tough. Now, let's be honest. It would be great if we had this huge reserve <laughs> already built up so that when tough times come along, we can just kind of put it on autopilot and just kind of... It, life isn't always that way, but this is... It's always the right time to build up that reserve, to have that ready, focusing... Of course, as we already mentioned on spiritual disciplines, but also practical things like sleep, like good nutrition, like exercise. I don't see anybody praising the Lord right now. Like gratitude, like being kind to yourself, like being easy, easy on yourself. Don't be so critical. Don't be so harsh. Stop your self-talk that's negative. Having compassion for others. That's how you build resilience. Another way, another way to survive this and also to build resilience is focus on connection and relationships. Folks, every statistical study shows that relationships are what get you through. That's what, get you, that's what gets you through tough times. One of the best ways we do that is through remaining connected to people, through having social supports, and, you know, that includes helping others as well, even when we feel depleted ourselves. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying you want me to help people when I don't feel like I can help myself, when I feel weak and I feel weary? I, I don't even think that's possible. Well, well, let me tell you, when you make a difference in somebody else's life, there's this beautiful thing that's called, that, um, this, this beautiful thing that's happened that happens, and I kind of... I kind of liken it to this spiritual concept that's known as the redemptive lift. You know, when, when God touches us, when he saves us, he just kind of, everything just lifts up. Well, when you, in a similar way, when you lift your hand to help someone, to draw them closer to God, you know what it does? It lifts you up as well because it takes your eyes off of yourself and it puts your focus on somebody else. And in turn, you glorify God in those actions. 
Here's another one. Here's another one. We can show the world that Christians love, not hate. Well, we can show the world <laughs> that Christians love, not hate. We can talk about what we are for, not so much what we are against. You, you know, um, it's always right to speak the truth, but it's right to speak the truth in love. We know that. We talk so much about this, um, even throughout this series, but the Christians at our best series before this, but we must commit to doing this, especially throughout this election season. Lord Jesus. I'm about ready to say, even so come Lord right now. We're about to sing that song again, just so that we don't have to deal with these next couple of weeks. Can you pledge to do that right now? Can, can you just pledge to say, I'm going to love during this election season? I mean, like, I hope every Christian, why don't you type it in the chat and then I can come and show you that when that gets hard <laughs> for us. And you know, one thing that might help you, that might help me show the world the love of Christians is to distance myself from drama. I can, I can have a little distance or I can unfollow people who are fueling the anger rather than diffusing it. I absolutely can do that. It's always right to stand up for what is right. We know that. But it's difficult to think and pray deeply when you've got people constantly yelling in your ear. So you may want to consider stepping back a little bit. It's hard to be positive when your mind is always filled with the negative. And it's hard to walk in unity when your mind is always stirred with division. Yes. And so the final, the final point or the final um, question that we're going to end with is we need to live in a way today that will help us thrive tomorrow. We need to live in a way today that will help us thrive tomorrow. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean um, a good way to start is to take to take a survey of today, and, and here's the question that we will do that, um, that we will use to do that with. What do you need to change today that will help you overcome challenges tomorrow? What, what challenges, what struggles, what problems do you need to change right now in order to be in a better place tomorrow? I know you're probably thinking, you don't have time for my list. It's so long. I know, because mine is too. I, I know. I mean, I know. I know that's true. Um, I, I, but, but you know who does have time for that list? God does. And, I'll, and I have time for your list too, because I love you too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you may be thinking all of these things. You may be thinking it's too much. Fine, make that list, but then start working on it. Choose one thing. Take one actionable step. Your behaviors, your thoughts, your relationships. We've already talked about your sleep, your diet, exercise, taking time off. You know what? So many of us that are getting so caught up in the day, take five minutes to go outside. Breathe in some fresh air. Do, do some things that will benefit your emotional well-being. What do you need to do today, right now, so that you can thrive tomorrow? Ultimately, ultimately, we, if we don't take care of our emotional well-being, nobody else will. God can't just take care of your emotional well-being. Like that is an example of you've got to act in that realm, right? 
Nobody else can do it for you. So ultimately, we need to unplug from all the things that rob us of peace and joy and hope in him. And we've got to find time to recharge, to renew, so that we can rebuild stronger than ever. Why don't we pray together right now? I feel God's spirit. I feel his power ministering here with us right now. Dear God, we are in your presence. We love you. We are so grateful for your touch, for your mercy. God, forgive us for all the ways that we have carried our hurt within us, that we have not surrendered it over to you. Forgive us for these ways that we're not, that, that simply are not like you. Help us humble ourselves to know that we have physical limitations, we have emotional limitations, and it's a very spiritual thing for us to address those things. It's a very godly thing for us to be real with our emotions and give them over to you. And Lord, tomorrow when we are tempted to pick up that same stinking thinking, Lord, help us be convicted to give that over to you so that we can walk in newness of life. We can overcome every trial, every struggle. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love y'all so much, and I'm so grateful that you came tonight. I want you to know, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like life is too hard, if you feel like that nobody, that nobody knows what you're going through, or even worse, nobody cares, I want you to know that's a lie from the enemy. I want you to know that is a lie from the enemy. And whether you're watching online or you're here right now, we love you so much, and we are here for you. Please, don't walk this alone. That's what community is about. That's what the body of Christ is about. We are here to help you face whatever it is you need because you know what? We're going to need you to help us face the things that we are struggling with as well. So we love you very much. Pray you have a great week. God bless you.